0: Great. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. I am so glad you decided to join us today. Hey, when you uh, exit the doors today on all right at at the basically eye level on the door uh, out is a piece of paper and it has the name of the month, September. On that is a list of all the things that are happening around real life in the month of September. Uh, If you want to contact someone who's a leader, contact information for each of uh, the people who are leaders in our church. And then there's a financial update, tells you about, a little bit about that. And that will be there every month, With it will be updated each month, so feel free to grab one of those as you go out. Well, hey, uh, we're in the middle of a series called Man Code. Now, if, um, if you were here last week, we passed out these cards about the new Man Code. Someone said this after the fact, I wish I'd thought of it, I'm stealing it right now. They said, oh, I got my Man Card. So if you didn't get your Man Card... Uh, we have some extras. You can pick them up at the start here desk. We'll have them again next week as uh, we we'll, we'll talk more about the series. But we're actually, uh, if, especially if you're a guest, we're pushing pause on the series for just a few minutes, and we're talking about uh, two of the things that you're not supposed to talk about in polite conversation. You know what those two things are, right? Politics and religion, right? So welcome. Uh, we attached seat belts during this week to all of the seats. So if you can go ahead and buckle those right now and buckle yourself up, for this some of you in the first service in the first service people actually went like really was like, no seatbelts <laughs> but just buckle up right uh, let me tell you why we're doing this uh, we're, we're obviously very very divided as a country uh, around the issue of politics and a handful of weeks ago uh, there was the, the neo-nazi march in charlottesville and that's sunday i talked about it and said racism is always wrong and Uh, We're all made in God's image, and we're all one family, talked about that. And then I followed up with it that next week with a post about racism. I I probably could have worded it better um, in retrospect, and it just, boo, got real hot. (laughs) And so in talking to some really smart people, smarter than me, they said, you know what, this might be an opportunity to talk about something that's dividing the country, and instead, if we talked about it openly, maybe we could come together. Uh, I don't know if you know this, in john chapter 17 it's known as the high priestly prayer of jesus john records this prayer uh that jesus prayed we'll put a portion of it on the screen jesus prayed this for you he said i pray that for those who will believe in me that's if you believe that's you and me through their message uh, the message of the disciples he's sending out that all of them may be what's the word one right not right or left but say it again one, right? That's, that's what I'm after here. Now, let me, uh, before we jump into this, let me just kind of give you some, let's just clear some stuff, clear some air, because you might be thinking, what about you? What's your perspective? Because you're going to try and tell me what you think. Well, let me just be, just lay my cards on the table so you know my political perspective. I, uh, in the fifth grade, raised my hand one day, Mrs. Decker, my favorite teacher, best teacher I've ever had, and I raised my hand and I said, Mrs. Decker, could you explain the difference between Democrats and Republicans? And she said, we'll get to that later, Scott. Great question. Uh, she never got to it. I was still a little confused about it. Um, but at one point in my understanding of things, I was registered with a particular political party, not because I really thought that was the right party, but I just thought you had to be, and so I picked one. And uh, I've since then said, you know what, I don't want to be politically aligned. And so I even went online this week to double check, and I resubmitted my thing, so I'm, I want to make sure I'm registered Uh, as an independent. So that's my kind of political persuasion. I've never given a dollar to a political party, nor will I ever. Um, My wife has not either. We don't invest our money that way. If you give money to political party, I'm not saying that's uh, the wrong thing to do. I just believe that that's not how human hearts are going to change. And so I would rather give my money to things that that God's uh, uh, using, like the church and organizations that serve the poor and Uh, so we do that instead I'm not going to tell you who I vote for for whatever reason when you are in the role that I am in as a pastor people say well that person has some sort of moral authority or is supposed to and if I said this is who I voted for you would somehow walk out and go well I think that might be who we're supposed to vote for I'm not going to try and influence that and very honestly I don't care who you voted for I'm not interested in that I'm not interested in that piece of information about you so that I can somehow say well you must be this person because you voted for that person uh, I'm not really interested in that. I, I honestly am one of the least political people I know. I don't watch uh, Fox News or CNN. I'll turn them on periodically, but my TV does not have the uh, logo etched into it, so when you turn it off, it's still there because it's on so much. Do You know some of those people, right? One of those things is in the corner of their television. Uh, I don't do that. I read, um, not, a, not exhaustively, but I read the Wall Street Journal, which skews right, and I read the New York Times, which skews left, just so I can be aware of what the different discussions are. Um, I don't know if you know this, if you're uh, older, you got your news from people like Tom Brokaw and Walter Cronkite and Peter Jennings. If you're younger, you have no idea who those people are. Like, who's that? Uh, but that was who you went to for your politics or for your views or whatever. Now it's so splintered. In fact, people say that millennials, millennials are the generation up to about 35 in age, get their, the majority of their news from shows like The Daily Show, which is a comedy satire at night, and then from people like Stephen Colbert, late, late show with Stephen Colbert. That's where people are getting their politics, not from one particular news channel or another. Um, I also have kind of a distrust of the narrative that gets painted by the media on either side. And I'm not saying this, this is not about the fake news thing. I'm not <laughs> endorsing whatever that means or is uh, or isn't. Uh, but I, I've had friends who have been pastors. I've known their character, the kind of people that they are. Uh, and they've been interviewed for this story or that story. One friend of mine, close friend, was interviewed by a national magazine, and uh, when the story would come out, they would read it, and they would say, verbatim, that's not what I said. And I've had that happen enough times that I'm distrustful of the narrative that comes out from either side. I'm just like, I think you're kind of trying to slant it this way, and I just, you're just a little, little reticent to go with that. And so my uh my uh my job is to help us be one now listen we're we're not gonna have I've never had and I'm not planning on ever having uh, I know that's tough to say never ever a politician on this stage during a political campaign saying we love you and why are they there in some churches let politicians do that if they make that decision okay but why are they there vote for me right we just don't do that I I uh, remember one time I lived in Virginia, and uh, George W. Bush was the president at the time, and he was coming to stump for whoever was running for one of the offices in Virginia. And I wanted to see Air Force One. It's really why I wanted to go, because it was going to be at the airport in a hangar, and so I, got, I found someone who had tickets, and I got tickets to go to it. And I got there, and uh, cro- hangars crowded with people. Air Force, if you've ever seen it, it's really cool. Air Force One, ladies and gentlemen, and they play the music, and it's all, it's all really cool. Uh, and uh got there and the guy that stood up to pray was the pastor that i worked for i was like oh i love that man I have great great respect for him but I was like oh you're endorsing that person and i just never want to do that now i'm not saying never ever uh never ever because the never ever scenario where that would happen was if the world is collapsing and there's only one politician that's trying to tell us something and then i'd let him come right it'd be like that right i don't want to say never ever but i hope you get my gist Now, you need to understand who I'm talking to this morning. I'm talking to Christian people, okay? If you're not a Christian, please just listen in and see if we're getting this right or not. And if you're Christians, please know that people who are not Christians are watching how we handle things like this. Uh, So I'm talking to Christians, and because I'm talking specifically to Christians, I'm going to use the Bible. Now, if you're here every week, we talk about the Bible every week. And the messages come out of the Bible every week, and we encourage you to read the Bible every week. Um, but you need to understand about the Bible that the Bible is the book of God's people We believe that it's inspired that God inspired the 40 some authors to write the 66 books of the Bible over a span of several thousand years And put this book together in a way that inspires and guides us and reveals uh, God to us and we find Jesus reve- uh, God revealed to us in Jesus through the pages of scripture And we find uh, God's values and God's priorities. It's the story of God's people. I just need you to know I love the Bible I love the Bible. I love it more. The more I read it, the more I love it, the more I understand it. That's why I want you to read it. Uh, You'll understand it more the more you read it and you get the background and you understand the context and all of those things. Um, It's it's for me. It is my guiding resource. When I don't know what to do, I go to the Bible. Now, the Bible doesn't say everything about everything, but like Francis, the, the philosopher Francis Schaeffer said, the Bible is true truth. It's true about what it talks about. It doesn't talk about everything, but what it talks about, we believe that it's true. Uh, I'll give you this: we're as part of the Church of the Nazarene, the tribe of churches we're part of. Uh, we trace our roots back to a guy by the name of uh, all the way to Jesus, um, but through a guy named John Wesley. John Wesley was an Anglican minister in the 1700s. He was in uh, Great Britain of that day. He was the most famous person, one of the most famous people in great britain many people credit him and what he instituted through the message of jesus and how he helped churches grow and uh, reach people uh, they credit him with keeping england from having a civil war over the issue of slavery like we had very influential man uh wrote extensively his writings were read across he would in our day would have been bestsellers he lived on a set amount of money and gave everything else away and that was his practice he desired to give everything to the kingdom of god and to people and um, he said, I want to die basically a pauper at the end of my life, and he did. Powerfully influential man. This is what he said about the Bible at one case, and I love it. It's one of my favorite quotes of him. We'll put it on the screen. I want to know one thing, the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore. God himself has condescended to teach the way. For this very end, he came from heaven. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book. At any price, give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me. Let me be man. Let me be a man of one book. By that he meant it's the book that guides him, and later he said, listen, if you only read the Bible, you're not really reading the Bible, but you all, we all go back to some authority somewhere for our answers at some point. For John Wesley, for Jesus, for us, I I want it to be the Bible. So we're going to talk out of the Bible today, uh, and I'm going to give you more scripture than we normally talk about uh, just to kind of help make sense of this, and I need you to know that when I'm teaching, I need you to know what the scriptures say about someone in my role who stands up and attempts to teach the Bible publicly that there's a harsher uh, judgment James says for someone who teaches because you're trying to help people understand things and you need to get it right this is what Timothy uh, Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy he said don't do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth well I that's that's a weight that I carry around with me and I want you to know I'm carrying it around today as we're talking about this now that's a little bit about me a little bit about the Bible. Now, let's just talk about you for a second. Uh, you, after this today, you may not agree, okay? Um, this will not answer all of your questions. We'll have a Q&A down over here if you want to participate in that after. We'll have just a, a conversation to kind of continue what we're talking about today. A- at the end of this, you're not going to know my side, okay? You're not going to be able to, I hope, go, you're a blank. Uh, I, I'm just a person who wants to say what i mean i don't want to be passive aggressive and so i just try to say whatever i mean if i say it i mean it and so i'm telling you i'm trying to follow jesus is who i'm trying to follow and take my cues from jesus first and and you're not going to walk away from here knowing what the right side is right some people are very comfortable in saying well we think this is the right side because it aligns most with the bible this is not what you're going to walk away with and so what I hope you will do is I hope that you will hear what's said today in the context of everything that's said. Now, if you're on the extremes of the far right or the far left, let me just say something to you. Here's how you know if you're on the extremes. If you walk away today, if we talk through the scriptures, and you are convinced that what was said is a platform for the other party, <laughs> you're on the extremes, okay? So if that's what you walk away with, just, just file that away. Like, oh, I'm probably one of those guys who's way that way um, it, what my goal again is that we would move toward each other when a couple comes for pre- premarital counseling um, one of the things i always talk about is a triangle and i talk about how the man is over here and the woman is over here on the bottom of the triangle and if they're moving toward the same thing they have the both they both have the same goal what happens when they move toward that same goal together but no not that they come into the middle and they're a centrist and a moderate as in i'm not talking about that right they're cl- moving closer to Jesus. What are they doing? They're moving closer to each other, right? So that's my working assumption is that if we move closer to Jesus, we'll move closer to each other. Again, talking to Christian people. Now, let's just make sure that we're talking, uh, we understand what we're talking about when we're talking about politics. Now, when we hear that word, we usually think who's in power. The word, uh, the Greek word uh, polis is the word for city. It's where we get uh, words like metropolis or Metropolitan. Um, it means the city, so politics is the study of how do we, as the city, as the people, come together, what are the values that are going to guide us, how do we best function, uh, who's going to lead us, so it's, it's questions about structure and values, and power is in play in that, uh, but this is it, uh, this is an important question, if you're a human being, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're a human being, you go, well, we need to figure that one out, right, we need to, what's best, Uh, If you are a follower of Jesus and you pay attention to the words of Jesus, you know that he said that there are two commands that rise above every other command. The first one and the most important is what we say every Sunday when you leave is what? To love who? To love God, right? And Jesus says that the second is like Mark 12, just a little bit later from this passage right here. Jesus is, uh, someone's asking what the greatest commandment is. He says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is reaching all the way back to Leviticus in the Old Testament to quote that. There is no commandment greater than these. So if you love Your neighbor, you want things to work well for them together, right? So you need to be politically involved in some way, shape, form, or fashion because it can be an expression of love. Now, let me me tell you the main thing that I'm hoping we get to. Just be plain about it, and then we'll unpack it uh, so that you can see. here's, Here's the reality, okay? You are either going to see your politics through the lens of your faith, or you are going to see your faith through the lens of your politics. In other words, you're either going to put on a set of glasses as a person of faith, and you're going to judge and assess every issue in your life, your money, uh, how you vote, what you do with your body, how you eat, through the lens of your faith. It's the thing that's going to give you guidance and answers and hope, or You are going to put on the lens of your political affiliation. I'm a Democrat, and so I see everything this way. I'm a Republican, so I see everything this way. And if you do that, what you are doing, you are also going to see your faith through that lens, right? Let me say it to you like this. We'll put it on the the screen. If your politics are the thing that's ultimate, most important, your faith will become a tool to win. If your faith is the thing that's ultimate, your politics will become a tool to love so if you think politics like i got i'm a democrat or i'm a republican then what you are going to do is you are going to take your people do it all the time on both sides they're going to take your faith and you're going to make it a tool to win if we're in power we'll do it right you'll hear that kind of language from people who believe that on both sides and i've heard it from both sides however if you see your faith your the fact that you are following jesus and you're looking to Jesus for your answers, for your hope, and for your guidance, and not your politics. Because see, if, if politics are open, open are your ultimate thing, then if you're a Democrat or a Republican, you look to the policies of that political platform for answers, hope, and guidance. But if you see Jesus is that, then you're saying, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take my faith and then when i act politically what i'm doing with my politics is it becomes a way to love my neighbor as myself profound difference if you can get your hands around it now listen the the christian answer to this whole kind of conundrum here is isn't hard to see it's just kind of hard to put into practice right it's not a trick question which one is it which is the way of jesus your faith is ultimate right So then your politics are a tool that's the thing. Now, the early Christians had a way of saying this. They had this phrase that they would repeat. They would say, Jesus is Lord. Since you're a follower of Jesus, if you are, I want you to say that with me. Ready? Jesus is Lord. One more time if you really mean it. Jesus is Lord. Paul even wrote about this. He said that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, whether uh, they're in heaven or on earth or under the earth. And uh, there's going to come a day when every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of God the Father. Now, we hear that, if you've heard that phrase, and you go, oh, yeah, it's like this religious phrase that people say. No, Uh, the early Christians, for them, it was not a religious phrase, it was a very loaded political phrase. Because in their day, there was a political slogan that got spread everywhere. Do you know what it was? It was, Caesar is Lord. So if you walked through someone's neighborhood and you looked at the political signs in their yard, they would look something like this. We got a couple pictures, right? (laughs) Proud <laughs> wow, Caesar is Lord. That was the that was the propaganda that Caesar uh, is in charge. In other words, we look to Caesar, we look to Rome, we look to the Empire to give us our answers, to give us our hope, and to give us our guidance. So when the early Christians said, "No, that's not right. Jesus is Lord," they were making an incredibly radical political statement about whose allegiance we were ultimately to give ourselves to. Jesus is Lord. So it would be like, I'm not suggesting you do this, and I'm not, please don't interpret this. It would be like if you were to take the American flag, lay it on the ground, light it on fire, and then you were to go take your tax bill and go to the steps of the IRS building in Washington, D.C., and rip it up. Now, you may be happy about the second part of that. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but the first part, the second part would get you in trouble with the government. The first part would kind of get you in trouble with everybody, and in today's social media age, you could just get obliterated by, for having doing something like that. But we don't, th- I mean, that would be kind of radical. Uh, maybe a better way to get at the radical nature of it and how dangerous it was for a Christian in the first three centuries to say Jesus is Lord and not Caesar. It might be more like if you had an effigy of the prophet Muhammad, you know what I mean by effigy, like a thing that looks like a person, and you walked into an ISIS camp and you burned it in front of them. What's going to happen to you? right, wow, woo. so I'm simply saying that if you're going to make Jesus Lord, he's going to make some radical demands of you, and radically demand that you see things in a different way, now that, okay, all of that functions as the world's longest introduction to a sermon ever, okay, (laughs) so what I want to do is I want to just talk about this text for a, a, a couple minutes, and then apply it, this is a, this is a very famous passage about giving to Caesar what's Caesar's and God what God's what's God. And when people talk about politics, they tend to bring this passage up. And if you've heard it, you may have become overly familiar with it and missed what's really going on. And I honestly didn't, until I dug into this, didn't really understand fully the context of what was going on, so let me tell you what I learned. Um, in uh, this interchange, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees and the Herodians. Well, you need to know who those two groups were. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you've read the New Testament, were the theological conservatives, the Pharisees, and the theological liberals. And they were on the theological per, uh, uh, perspective. So it would be like the Southern Baptists and the Episcopalians, right? If you know, I'm not, I know I'm stereotyping there, but kind of like that. This was not the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This was the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Herodians were a political movement that was, it was in support of Rome, and the Pharisees said, no, we're not in support of Rome at all. So it would have been like the Southern Baptists and the Antifa, I'm not sure I'm saying that correct, coming together, the far left and the far right coming together and saying, listen, uh, what you're doing here is not right. They're coming together. The reason is, this is important to understand, is they saw Jesus as such a threat to both ends of the political system that they decided to come together to try and stop him. Now, this, this needs to be super instructive for us. That alone needs to tell you how divisive Jesus can be politically. I mean, you got the far right and the far left to come together and say, we got to stop this guy. That alone is like, hmm. So here's the background. Jesus is not talking about taxes in general. Uh, This tax that he's referring to came from, uh, in the year 86, the Romans invaded uh, uh, Judea, uh, Jerusalem, the the modern-day state of what would be the modern-day state of Israel, And they, uh, not only did they tax, like you and I would be taxed, but just to show that they were in charge, they instituted what they called the head tax. Once a year, for everyone in your household, you had to pay one denarius. A denarius was the coin of the day. It amounted to basically a day's wages. And there was, as a result of this head tax... Uh, a, a violent revolt. A guy named Judas the Galilean uh, had an insurrection and he revolted and he said it wasn't the, the, so much the money that was paid as much as the principle behind it. That This is just wrong. And he had three goals in this insurrection. The first goal was that he was calling on all Jews to refuse to pay. We're not Romans. We're Jews. Um, and he took an armed band and he went into the temple, the Jewish temple, and he cleansed it of what the Old Testament law said was not supposed to be there. So anyone who was a Gentile, anyone who was a woman, anyone who was a foreigner, they went in and they violently cleansed the temple. And he said, now we need to let God be king. The kingdom of God can come on earth, and this is exactly what needs to happen. Now what happened was the Romans, who were much stronger and more powerful, caught Judas the Galilean and his insurrectionists and killed them all. And so this political act was a painful sticking point and was still a topic, a hot topic of conversation when the Pharisees and the Herodians come to Jesus. Because if you know Mark at all, in Mark ch- this is Mark chapter 12 we're talking about, in Mark chapter 11, do you know what Jesus has just done? He's gone into the temple, and this famous scene where he takes a whip and he drives, he cleanses the temple, and he drives out all the money changers and said, you've turned this into a den of thieves. This is supposed to be a house of prayer. And his message that he repeated over and over again is the kingdom of God is now here. So when they ask Jesus, and they come with this to try and trick him and to, to, to paint him politically into a corner, what they're really asking him is, what do you think of the head tax, Jesus? And honestly, it's a a conundrum, because if he says, no, don't pay it, then they can say, ha-ha, Rome, he's a revolutionary, kill him too. If he says, yes, you should pay it, then they can go, ha-ha, see, you're a sellout, and he loses influence with all the people. I mean, this is like a really, a really tricky thing. Now, when we hear the words kingdom of God, we have kind of lost the meaning of it. What we tend to think that means is, I have inner peace in my heart, or Jesus is on the throne of my heart. Uh, There's certainly truth to that but the phrase from the old testament all the way to the lips of jesus meant that god is the king over everything he has the right to say whatever he wants to say about anything in my life and it included not only my interior life but it included my exterior life so it was actually a very political kind of a statement to say that the kingdom of god was coming and so what they're doing is they're asking jesus are you a revolutionary and are you bringing the kingdom of god and mark takes pains to say listen what he said to them was a remarkable they were amazed now you've seen political uh interviews with say a president or a senator or uh, a high-ranking official and they get asked a question they don't want to answer and you've seen how they kind of dance around it and they don't answer the question and then another reporter will try and then and they just they will dance all the way around it's like a political skill to dance all the way around the question and what does everybody in the room do they're kind of either mad or they roll their eyes or they chuckle do they do any of that when jesus gives this answer now what do they do they're amazed not mad because what what he does is absolutely brilliant because he doesn't give them a simple yes or no uh now when jesus talks about you and i and our relationship to god jesus is very clear he's very simple woman was caught in adultery one time and uh jesus makes his famous phrase about you know whoever's without sin casts the first stone and they all drop their stones because they're by law they were going to stone her to death And Jesus goes to her and he says, Now, woman, where are your accusers? And she says, I have none. He says, well, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I mean, that's plain, right? I don't condemn you. Don't sin. But when Jesus talks about our relationship to the state or our relationship to politics, he gives a kind of a both and. It's kind of ambiguous. It's not simple. Because they're asking him, Jesus, which party is the right party? Do we vote donkey or do we vote elephant, Jesus? Just let us know. And the implication is, if they don't, uh, they don't do uh, what Je- Jesus wants them to do, then uh, they've, they've got him trapped. Because, you see, they're, they're saying, well, it's this party or that platform. Or, you've never said this, all good Christians who think obviously vote for, right? that's, that's what they're doing. And Jesus wouldn't respond in their polarized ways. So let me ask you a question, right, if you're following Jesus. If Jesus wouldn't do that, why would you? We're thinking about it. All right, so if you follow Jesus, you're counting on him for your answers, your hope, and your guidance. Now, here's two things Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that we're to avoid politics in total. Because he asks, he says, well, who's, he says, whose image is on this denarius? We've got a picture of a denarius here from that time. Um, whose image is on it? What does it say? And on the back, there is an inscription. That's on the, on the left. There's a, a bust of uh, Tiberius Caesar. Tiberius the king. Caesar means king. And on the back is an inscription. And the, the, the inscription reads, Tiberius Caesar, son of the god Augustus, Pontifex, Pontifex Maximus. In other words, uh, king, divine, high priest. And the word Jesus uses, he says, whose image is on it, is a very interesting word. It's the word Icon. The Greek word, icon. And if you know the Bible, and you were to go take that word image or icon all the way back to Genesis chapter one, uh, God says that he made mankind in his own, do you know what word it is? Icon. And so he says, brilliant, brilliant answer. He says, now, okay, if that's his image, then give or render, uh, the, the, the word there implies paying back an obligation. Give back to Caesar what you're obliged to give back to Caesar." Whatever has his image on it. Well, what has his image on it? This coin. So Jesus says, okay, well, if that's his, and by law, all of the money belonged to Caesar, he could come and take it at any time. If that's what has his image on it, then you give that back to Caesar. And he says, and then give to God what is God's. What has God's image on it? You. <laughs> I mean, do you see the brilliance of that? It's like, brilliant. It's like, what? Everyone's mind is completely and totally blown. So, pay back Caesar, uh, whatever you're obliged to pay back to Caesar. Now, it might be money, but maybe you owe him some resistance, because he's trying to take all of your allegiance, and so maybe you owe him that. So, so Jesus is not saying, don't, don't be political at all. He's saying, just put it all in its proper perspective. And then he's also not saying, second thing is, he's not saying, try to take over with power. Now, you'll hear this sometimes um, from some Christian people, and they will say, Uh, We need to take America back for God. What they're saying is, we will get it right if we are in power. And so we need to take america back for god now when jesus talks about the kingdom of god he's saying the kingdom of god is over every other kingdom he's over the uh, the kingdom of god is over the kingdom of caesar the kingdom of god is over america and american policies and democracy as a whole the kingdom of god is over the democratic party the kingdom of god is over the republican party there is nothing higher in effect than the kingdom of god when you're talking about who's in charge and what's in power this is this is the ultimate thing you're to give your allegiance to but notice how Jesus, the king, uses his power. Now you have to understand the whole context of Jesus' life because when Jesus has the power, because he's bringing the kingdom of God, what does he do with his power? What, what's the end of his life on Easter, what do, on Good Friday? what do we, What's he do? He takes his power and he, puts it on a, he lets himself be put on a cross. John 10, he says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. What Jesus does with his power is he lays it down. He lays it down first for his enemies, so that he can root the hate out of their heart, and then he lays it down for the people who have no power, so that he can set them free. Now listen, if you follow Jesus, and that's what Jesus did, what do you think Jesus is going to ask you to do with your power? The same thing. Now, what, what in the world do we do with this? Okay, and I want to I know I've been going fast. I'm going to go even faster. Ready? Buckle those seatbelts. What do we do to come together? How do we do this? Well, first thing is, I I want you to become a true radical. Do you know the meaning of the word radical? It means to return to the root. And I want you to uh, make Jesus the actual Lord of your life and your outlook. Uh, Peter says it this way. He says, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. He doesn't say, In your hearts, set apart the Democratic Party as Lord. In your hearts, set apart part conservative principles as lord joshua in the old testament says it this way choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve but as for me and my household we will serve the democratic party (laughs) we will serve the republican agenda no what does he say we will serve who The the lord right so what i'm saying is you choose jesus politics over any other and on any issue always decide i'm gonna side with jesus I'm not going to choose the politics of the donkey or the elephant. I'm going to choose the politics of the lamb. I'll give you an instance. Now, this is where you're going to think that I'm being political, too political, but I'm just going to give you a for instance. Take the issues of immigration and abortion. If you're on one political persuasion, uh, I could talk about those two issues, and you would say, yeah, preach the Bible. And on the other one, you might say, but why are you being so political? So let's just use both, let's just go both sides on this, right? If you were a conservative, you might say, well, immigration is the law of the land. we got to obey the law of the land. you got to have strong borders. I mean, you got to do that. Uh, but we should break the law uh, against abortion because it's an unjust law. If you were on the other side, you might say, well, you know, abortion is the law of the land. Roe v. Wade, I mean, it's, it's a law. Why are, we, why are we trying to buck the law? But we need to break the law against immigration because it's unjust to the stranger and the foreigner. Okay, notice this. Both sides are willing to break the law they find as unjust. Do you see that? Both sides. So what would Jesus say about these things? Well, Jesus actually has a lot to say about both of those issues. The Bible does as well. Uh, Jesus, most famously, Matthew chapter 25, he says this, I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me And Do you know the word stranger there is not the person who lives five houses down that you've never met? Is literally the word zenos, uh, which is the word for a foreign born person from another country. That's what it means. So, Jesus, if I side with Jesus, I'm going to. Uh, now, Jesus is not saying this is how the state ought to operate. He's saying for Christians, that's what you do, right? So, if I'm going to side with Jesus, then I'm going to side with the stranger. Now, take abortion. What does the Bible say about that? You go to Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You could go all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, how God created life and said that it was good. I mean, what a horrific evil. The millions of lives who've been extinguished at the altar of choice. See, I'm making you, both of you mad. <laughs> <laughs> so you, second is you've got to stop categorizing. First thing is, is always choose Jesus. Make Jesus Lord. Second thing is we got to stop categorizing people and writing them off. Let me um, let me let me just do this, okay? Uh, I want you to give me uh, the first service. They struggled, they were afraid. I just want you to shout out uh, the words. So this is the left, right? This is liberals, progressives. The words that uh, progressives or liberals say that when you hear someone say that, you just kind of know that's what they think about the world. What are those issues or words that get said? Just shout them out. Healthcare, healthcare, okay choice, okay, entitlement. entitlement, okay, by that would mean welfare, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make a value statement as much as a, environment, okay, military. say that louder, military. Mil- okay, military, a pr- perspective on that, right, might be words like oppressed, right, okay, that's a good list, right? Just add the D there. So there's a, there's a list, right? And you, you hear someone say this, and let's say you're a conservative. You hear someone say one of these words, what do you automatically assume? Well, they must be a liberal, right? Let's, let's, let's not leave everybody else alone over here on this side. So if you're, uh, you hear somebody who's a conservative, stereotypically, what are the things you hear them say, the words or issues that they talk about? What are they? Money, money, money. Greed, say it again, business, okay, so big business, right, tax breaks, et cetera, yep, what else? Education, Education. okay, can't spell, okay, yep, self-determination, self-determination. I'm going to say personal responsibility, can I add that to that list, right? What else? military second uh, Second amendment okay yeah right that's good list right here's what we do anybody on any side says one of those words what do we do we categorize them and we say if we're on this side can you believe those people over there they are so wrong right not leaving these people out and if you're on this side and anyone uses those words, those trigger words over there? What do you say? Those crazy politically correct, li- uh, that's the conservatives, oh, sorry. Those, what are those people over there, how could they possibly think that way? Don't they see what I see? You see how we categorize people based on words that they say and assume they must agree with the whole thing, right? Jesus did not do that. If you are doing that, Stop. Repent. Get yourself in line with Jesus, and stop doing that to people. Third, this is the last thing: is we need to prioritize what Jesus did. What did prioritize what Jesus did? What did Jesus prioritize, or rather, who? People. I mean, everywhere Jesus went, what? Who did he interact with? Ideas, opinions, political perspectives, or who? People, right? And he was always communicating love to who? People. People. Now, you can either hurt people or you can love people. I'll give you an acrostic for each of those things. You can hurt people, right? Here's if you're going to hurt people, you hold them captive to the camp you think they are in. Well, it must be those people who think that. And I'm not going to let them out of that prison, that mental prison I just put them in. Uh, Then when you hurt people, you you then go, well, I'm going to unleash on them my superior views that are enlightened as opposed to your ignorant ones. And then I'm going to reel them in. And the reason I reel them in, why do you think that? Why do you think this? Wait. The reason you're reeling them in is so you can what? Boom, got them. Like, you see the Facebook things if you're on Facebook? You won't believe what so-and-so said to such-and-such. And it's really just an attempt to smash them over the head. Or then this is the last thing. They talk about them behind their back. Can you believe what he thinks about that? He must be He must be conservative. Right? You talk about, listen, this is wrong. It is not the spirit of Jesus. If you're doing it, stop. Instead, you could love. What would love look like? Well, if we're talking about politics, you've got to learn to listen to their perspective and ask questions. Why did you? Now, when you said this, did you mean this? Now, tell me more about why you feel that way. Oh, okay, so does that mean this? Not to nail somebody, but to just ask and understand, try and understand their perspective. And then you open, I open myself to their pains. Well, maybe they have some, something they've gone through that influences how they see this. Or tell me about your story. Uh, then you view them like Jesus, V. There's this story about some monks. It's, a, it's a, kind of a parable. These monks who are old and crotchety and grumpy and uh, no one, their their order was dying off, because they were all dying off, and a visitor came and said, I need you to know that one among you is the Messiah. They looked around, like, maybe it's him, maybe it's him, maybe, well, maybe it's him, and they all started to treat each other like that person might be Jesus, and so they were they were kind and they were patient and they were compassionate It just changed everything in the monastery and pretty soon new people came because they heard about what was happening in the atmosphere if you viewed people like they're Jesus you'll treat them differently right and then this uh you e- expect roadblocks right we don't agree we don't see it the same uh, but you keep going toward Jesus remember if you're both going toward the same thing Now, I understand this didn't answer all your questions. I understand you're like, well, what do I do about this? Well, you've got to think that through. You've got to talk that through. You've got to work that out. But here's, here's the thing. Listen, Jesus is Lord of our church. If Jesus is Lord of your heart, Jesus is Lord of our church. And so we will always take our cues from Jesus. And so you may hear me particularly say some things. You go, I think that's on that side of the issue. No, no, it's an attempt to love people. We're, we're, as Christians, we're often known for our opinions, and we need to be known for our actual love and compassion. <laughs> we don't need to be known for being right. We need to be known for how we act to make people's lives better, whether they agree with us or not. This is the heart of Jesus. And I want to invite you into the heart of Jesus with me. Can we do that together and be that kind of a church? Let me pray for you. God, this is so hard because we... Um, we get so worked up by these things, and it's so heated, and it's just, uh, just the wrong words, and it just triggers an explosion. And we, um, we want to put aside the politics of fear, of accusation, of assumption, of self righteousness, and we want to take on the politics of Jesus. We want to take on your your, your outlook toward people and what's best—that love and compassion. And action are the things that you prize. And we want to be a part of that. Now, Lord, give us the grace as we uh, wrestle through this and, and we find out that someone else sees the way to apply that a little bit differently than us. Give us the grace to uh, love that person still and not write them off, categorize them, and assume what we know everything about them. Uh, give us the ability to have conversations and move closer toward each other by moving closer to you together. We need your help. We want you to be Lord. We want you to be in charge. You are Lord. At the end of all of this, at some point, everyone's going to admit it anyway, and they're going to finally see it. So we want to start. We want to inaugurate that reign right now in our own hearts and our own church. So help us. We pray this in your name. All God's people said, amen. Hey, if you want to be part of the Q&A, we're right down over here. I invite you to stand with me and receive this blessing. Uh, And we'll start just in a couple minutes right down over here if you want to do that. Uh, You're sent out to love God and know that the God that made you, God made the person who disagrees with you politically. (laughs) And may you love them in Jesus' name, the way Jesus would. You're sent out to serve the world in his name. Hug somebody, tell them you love them. See ya.